Hello, my name is Tom Stewart. And this is Riley McDonald. Welcome to Hammer Time, a newfangled podcast for old fangled horror. And today we're going to be doing something a little bit different. We're going to be launching the first in a series of supplementary mini-sodes. Oh god, I hate that word. It's mini-episode. Anything else is just jargon. Look, Thomas, the thing you need to understand is I just heard back from corporate, and the news is not good. Unless we're willing to cut our adhocracy and start leveraging some actionable core competencies toward optimizing our SEOs, we're going to be facing a reverse paradigm shift and we'll be left out of the synergistic circle. You got it? You got it? I'm forming a union. Now these minisodes... Now you're on the bandwagon. Uh, and that sound you just heard was my soul escaping through my mouth. These minisodes are going to be focused on a specific topic that we have seen running through the Hammer Cannon, and that might be applicable to broader horror, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Elements of Hammer that exist across multiple films, whether it's a person involved with it, whether it's a theme, we want to take a look at that. This minisode is going to be focused on humor in horror. Specifically, we're going to be talking about the quote that you just heard. It's a quote taken from Hammer's The Curse of Frankenstein, and it became a very influential joke, although it might seem not like a joke in this context. It came to influence how Hammer wrote humor in the rest of their films, in what were called, behind the scenes, past the marmalade lines. Yeah, if there's one thing that really defines humor, it's two unfunny guys laboriously explaining the joke. So buckle up. <laughs> Now, Hammer had to be very careful using humor in their movies, specifically because the context of their industry. Gothic cinema had become a thing of the past by 1951. This is a quote from Dennis Michael. He's an excellent Hammer historian, and he wrote a book on the studio called A History of Horrors. With the new British X certificate limiting the audience even more, the literary monsters of yesteryear were gasping their last to the exercising spoofery of Abbott and Costello and Old Mother Riley. So you're responsible for this. Well, only in a personal sense. Wow. How do we get from here, though, into some categories? Do we just say... What if we did it this way? Um... One. Goose and spoofs. That's a good ending. At this point in the middle of the century, the dominant way that the gothic aesthetic was used in films was really to spoof the gothic aesthetic. Abbott and Costello were consistently taking universal characters such as Dracula and Frankenstein, even a gorilla, and they were making comedies out of them. So Hammer had to be very careful in applying humor into a gothic setting for fear that it's just going to turn straight into the ridiculous or a spoof. Yeah. There is a specific genre or brand that consistently spoofs horror, and we have a canon of these. Abbott and Costello are a good early version. Scary movie, for instance. Shaun of the Dead is a perfect example. All these movies sort of take a horror setup, but are comedy films. Yeah, specifically making fun of the horror. And there are other categories of horror that we'll sort of explain as ways of negative example as to what Hammer's not doing. Two. And release. 
So on one end of the spectrum, we have these movies that are consistently making fun of horror. On the other end of the spectrum, there is humor that is used to bolster horror. And there are a few ways that movies can utilize humor in order to further a horror movie. There's a sort of classic example of using a comedic moment to break the tension. It allows you to reset from a very, very tense moment so that we don't end up getting overwhelmed or numbed by the tension. And this isn't just endemic to horror. This can be found in any film that plays off of tension. Anything that involves dramatic stuff, be it a thriller, be it classical drama, whatever, these moments are used to sort of break up the overwhelming feeling of suspense. The example I thought up was Macbeth and the gatekeeper, whose shenanigans immediately after the violent murder of the king help to break up that moment of distress in the play. In Hamlet, we have a similar moment where the people digging the grave have a similar comedic moment that breaks up Hamlet's tension. And to take it right from high art down to popular culture, James Bond's one-liners after he horrifically murders another agent, that would be another example of a similar break of tension. Or even in, to take it back to horror specifically, you have a movie like Bride of Frankenstein, the old woman whose character is there to sort of make us laugh at the horror of Frankenstein's monster's appearance. She sort of makes silly faces at the screen and runs around and is just kind of ridiculous. Bride of Frankenstein is actually full of this. We also have the character of Dr. Pretorius, who is, for the most part, an antagonist, but also tells dark, cynical jokes in the graveyard when Frankenstein's monster first appears in front of him. Same with Friday the 13th as well, with old man Jake who lives in the town and is aware of Jason, but is still like a sort of slapsticky, foolish old man. Three. It's meta. Now, there's another brand of humor that is used in horror, specifically in a more meta sense, and I realize how empty that word has become in this day and age, but this is the kind of humor that is used to acknowledge the artifice of the horror. Sure. It basically says, listen, I know this is ridiculous. You know this is ridiculous. So let's suspend our disbelief and both engage in the horror. It gives you the license to more fully enter into this world. Okay, I like that. So I'm thinking of movies like Scream, which acknowledge the pretenses of the slasher genre, but then also use it to craft a new slasher movie. Cabin in the Woods does the same sort of thing where it's very aware and explicit to point out that these are tropes and cliches that exist, again, in the sort of slasher or haunted cabin subset of horror films, doing it in a way that the audience can appreciate and laugh at while still at the same time telling a horror story. Right. It's kind of trying to juggle a couple balls in that it's not simply making fun of horror movies in a way that sort of spoofs are. It's still trying to produce horror while being aware of what these stories inevitably use to tell these tales. Four, Block's Coin. But finally, if we want to turn back to the please pass the marmalade line, I think there is a different style of humor that's going on here. And I think it is one that I really prefer. Just to completely over-explain the joke, what makes it funny is that we have just seen Frankenstein send the mother of his unborn child into the lair of his monster and listened to her die. And so to incongruously position a very domestic scene where he's just asking his wife to please pass the marmalade 
immediately after a slam cut from that scene, it makes you laugh yeah. because of the discomfort. In case this sounds too similar to the comedic scene coming after a very sort of tense or frightening scene, this isn't operating on the same level. No, no, no. It's not trying to get you to release that tension through something that's that's supposed to be funny. It comes through the fact that this is such a callous response. The, the way it's juxtaposed is such a seemingly callous way to respond to the death of two people. It produces a discomfort. The best thing I can think of, again, this isn't exactly horror, but you know the scene in The Dark Knight? where the Joker pulls his pencil out and he says, I'm going to make this pencil disappear. Yes. The guy attacks him and he slams his face instantly into the pencil so it goes through his eye. I remember seeing that in the theaters and everybody laughed at that moment. And it's not because it's necessarily funny, but because it's so uncomfortable that it sort of provokes this response in people. And that's what I think Hammer is trying to do with some of their humor. This is perhaps the closest that humor and horror get to bolstering each other. The humor is horrific and the horror is itself in a very dark way, comedic. The thing about this humor I find, this past the marmalade line that makes it so um, incongruously funny to pick up Tom's phrase is that on its own, it's not a funny line by itself. As you probably realized when we quoted it out of context. Ad nauseum. Ad nauseum. And drawing these two close together, like making making them operate on the same valence, this this humor is very contextual. Right. If you have a slapstick scene, that's supposed to be humorous regardless of its place in a story. But the reason why Pass the Marmalade is funny is because it juxtaposes these two scenes side by side. Whereas a slapstick scene is supposed to be funny no matter where it's placed which would break the tension. Right. It is that immediate juxtaposition of horror and casual disregard that produces this incongruity. And that incongruity, I think, is a cornerstone of Hammer's aesthetic, whether they're creating comedy or horror. Comedy and horror are opposite sides of the same coin. This is a quote from the horror writer Robert Bloch. You probably know him as the novelist who wrote Psycho. Both deal in the grotesque and the unexpected, but in such a fashion as to provoke two entirely different physical reactions. Bloch said that in an interview that was included in the book Faces of Fear, which was published in 1985, and I think it gets at what we're trying to talk about with this episode. It is the shared valence of this technique that heightens both comedy and horror. And this is obviously not something that is unique to Hammer. Again, there are many examples of, uh, of horror stories that try and take on this incongruity. Nightmare on Elm Street, right. something like Roman Polanski's Rosemary's Baby, which sort of juxtaposes that horror of a disorienting place and something growing inside a person's body with your nosy and silly next door neighbors who act like your irritating religious next door neighbors, except of course they're Satanists, but they're still as pedestrian and banal as any next-door neighbor would be. Twin Peaks would be a great example where in Twin Peaks, everything that should be sad is played for laughs and everything that seems to be comedic is often played horrifically or pathetically. All of David Lynch, I find, kind of does this. The affect you would attach to this moment is not quite right and that it, it heightens the discomfort in the viewer because it feels like the characters are wrong. Yeah. Or it feels like the sort of situation is wrong. And in a way, and I think this is sort of what we're building to here, I think, I certainly do, I think you do as well, Tom, find this to be the most interesting and effective mode that humor can work in a horror movie, kind of juxtaposed and building off one another, because it's always, rather than it being a, a sudden 
change in the mood, as Tom was saying, is always feeding back into that central discomfort of a world gone wrong. Now, this is something that we noticed in the first few episodes. Of course, their humor is going to evolve as we go through the canon, and we're hoping to come back and revisit this. In fact, these mini-sodes, ugh, god, I hate that word, are going to be focusing on specific topics. If you have an idea of a topic that you would like to hear us talk about, please drop us a line. We're on Facebook at Hammer Time Horror Podcast. We're on Twitter at Hammer Time Cast. And find us on Tumblr at hammertimehorror.tumblr.com. We hope to be back with regular programming soon, as we are all, we're pretty sure we figured out a way to record this without our equipment crashing every 30 seconds. If you were listening to this, we did. So keep watching the skies, and remember... I'm Tom Stewart. And this is Robin McDonald. Thank you for listening. Hammer Time Horror is produced by me, Tom Stewart. Our opening music was written and recorded by Kevin McLeod. Special thanks goes to Douglas Stewart for providing his image for our thumbnail, and to Nami Lee for breaking up the voices in this podcast and reading some of the category headings. And an extra special thanks goes to Wormwood, who let us use their music for our podcast. If you enjoyed Wormwood's music, and I hope you did, please go check them out on Bandcamp at www.wormwoodmusic.com. Bandcamp.com.